0: Welcome to the CFB Paint Podcast. We aren't Photoshop, we're not Illustrator. We're your bare bones essentials college football podcast, giving you the pixelated, crudely edited
1: coverage you need for the preseason, midweek, and off-season doldrums while you wait for the action on
0: Saturdays. You've got Cork, Steve, Mark, and Brian, four brothers, college football fans with decades of heartbreak and a few years of ecstasy here to guide you through your own gridiron roller coaster with all the side drama along the way. All
2: right, welcome back to another episode of the CFB Paint Podcast. We appreciate you joining us this week. Got first week of bowl season under our belt, um, so we've got a, a little bit to to talk about. we got Christmas coming up. We'll talk about some Christmas wishes, and we'll look forward to the next week. But before we do any of that, let's jump into our rapid round. With the finalization of the World Cup this last weekend, let's use that to be our rapid round order. Let's go in order of who watched the most World Cup to the least, Brian, I know you've made a couple of EPL references. Corey, you as well. So I'm sure you two are going to have a discussion. Have a discussion about who has done the most. I certainly did the least watching. I watched probably all in all maybe about two games. I think the only game I watched more than half of uh, was the France England game. So I'll just be the last person in rapid round, and I will flip it over to you guys to fight out who uh, who gets to go first.
0: Well, we'll we'll acknowledge that Steve's is, Steve is out this week. And he would come in last place, certainly, for this. Um, I know he's watching a soccer game at any time he is because he'll text me, are you watching this? Um, and I think that happened once in this World Cup. So I'm going to say that he had one game to Mark's two, um, but he's not with us right now. Actually, so
1: Steve and I both had babies this last week, and I was, we were walking out of the hospital towards the end, we were both packing up our bags. The world, the final was on. And I'm like, Steve, are you watching this? He's like, what? I'm like, soccer, the final. He's like, No. Clearly, you don't care about this. Like, if you're gonna watch any game, that's what you watch.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, the the final that people are already calling the greatest World Cup final or cup final in soccer history. Yeah, but well, it's it's quite one to miss. Not to mention,
2: he's stuck in the hospital, so it's like pull random cords out of machines and see what kind of noises they make, and you know how quickly a nurse comes in to rush in, or watch the World Cup finale. And he chose the former.
1: The thing I loved is literally as I was going. So I would Heather and I had the game on in our room and then I would I was packing up our car and I would have the game on my phone as I walked to pack out the car. And every time I passed the nurse's desk, all the nurses were inside the break room watching the game, including the boss with his collar, shirt, tie, and suit on. He walks out at one point in time, I'm like, yeah, overtime now? And he's like, yeah. And he starts laughing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I would venture to guess that I watched a little bit less than Corey. Um I wasn't didn't catch a lot of the group stage. Um kind of focused in they are on teams that I was invested in so I focus on Argentina I focus on USA and any you know big name team Brazil's playing I, I want to watch but I also ignored a lot of smaller teams playing like I missed some of the early games of Morocco which is real bummer because they had a great cup but really started to get more invested uh, at the quarterfinal stage and, and past
1: yeah I, I I wait for this kind of event every four years I watch the qualifiers. um it's, it's it's something important to me that I really really love I don't know why I have a a passion for international soccer more than even like club soccer, um, which is sucks because the players don't have that same allegiance. They have allegiance more to their clubs than they have international. Um, So the games in between aren't the greatest. But when you finally get to the World Cup, that's what I love. Uh, I probably pretty much watch most games. If I didn't watch it, I watched a recap of it. Yeah, like I I, I had them. I documented when the games were. I knew that, oh, before we went to the hospital. We were going to watch this semifinal. And bef- when we were in the hospital, we were going to watch this final if we got, did, got, and didn't get home. <laughs> um, and I watched a lot of the group stage. So, yeah, I, I, I honestly think I can probably take it because I also watch a lot during work, too. <laughs> so my thought process, thoughts for Rapid Round this week. I love National Signing Day. I have a friend that's super into it. I almost texted him Merry Christmas at like 12, 12.01 in the morning because I was up feeding a baby. Because that's what it feels like. It feels like Christmas when, you, when you're watching these teams get the new blood, the new hype, et cetera. But one of the things that annoys me is when players don't know what school they're actually committing to. It's like, I'm committing to the University of Ohio State or Tennessee University or Florida University. It's like, at least get the name right. Like it's, it's OSU or FSU. It's not the University of Florida State. It's not the U- University of Ohio State. There's a reason to use it at the end. I get your high schooler. I get you probably like the lights are on you and it's a little nerve wracking, but like rehearse it at least a little bit. Come on. This is your first chance to actually make an impression. And to a fan that of this sport, you're not making a good impression in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I don't suppose myself as much of an anxious person, but I'm anxious enough that it's like, I think through when I'm about to talk in front of a large group of people. And that would be one that would just be like, you know, maybe, maybe I should ask a friend real quick if if this is actually the name of the university that I'm going to just at least feign the idea that this is for academics in any regard. A second the record round, first of all, beyond stoked that Lionel Messi got a world cup. He's my favorite player. We don't have to have a discussion about who's the greatest, but uh, I was very much rooting for him and excited for, for him to have that cup. One thing that I noticed this week and kind of thought would happen a lot faster is there's still a lot of, Uh, dominoes to fall in the transfer portal specifically with the transfer QBs Um, we saw Devin Leary is committed to Kentucky and he was kind of the the top one of this class generally speaking you have a few different lists but um, a lot of them had him as the top rated QB and I expected like once that commitment happens the other ones will fall in a row because you know they're holding out for certain spots certain colleges that they're hoping to take the starting job at, and they'll, they'll settle for what's next after that. But we still have quite a few talented and experienced uh, college QBs. We have Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, Hudson Card, Brendan Armstrong from UVA, Luke Altmyer, who albeit has been a backup, but was a big recruit out of high school um, from Ole Miss, Spencer Sanders from OSU, and Keaton Slovis. All of them don't have a home yet and don't have a you know a, a team that they'll be leading next year, at least as of now. And I think you know, like Hudson Card is a quarterback that I like quite a bit. Uh, Grayson McCall is one who I think is really intriguing because he's done it for several years at Coastal Carolina. He's I think he's got several or most of their records set at the quarterback position. And obviously there, there's no rush. You have time to to make this decision. So it's not a panic by any means. But I, I thought a lot of these would fall quicker than it did. And so now I'm very curious to see how each of these uh, players makes an impact at the school that they're at it's you're trying to project to next year especially with signing day happening you want to know hey what do we have in store for this year or for years to come if you're taking spencer sanders this is a one-year rental it's his last year and then you can have your freshman quarterback take on after that if you're taking on somebody who has more years of eligibility taking on like a luke altmeyer like that may be your quarterback for the future and so i thought a lot of this would be taken care of and and you know wrapped up before signing day and we've seen nope not the case so These uh, coaches are going to have to adjust on the fly. They're going to have to figure it out as they go, but still excited to see where a lot of these young men land.
2: Yeah. You mentioned Spencer Sanders, and that one's a really interesting one to me. Uh, There's not a player in college football. I feel like I associate more with their school than Spencer Sanders. Him transferring is like, I feel like Oklahoma state losing their mascot. Like, you know, and the fact that he hasn't had any willing takers, you could have a, like a, a pretty uncomfortable situation where he just, walks back to Oklahoma state and takes the name out of the transfer portal and says, I guess I'm here. Cause nobody else wanted me. And then, you know, how do you, how does that, how do you use that to go lead your football team um, from that point on? So that one will be very interesting for me
0: to watch. Yeah. Those ones are always interesting because like you said, you associate him with the school so much, you almost wonder like, is there something going on at the school that you don't know about? And and I have no information on that, but it's one of those things that's just really curious is, anytime he was there he was hands down the starter and it's been that way for a few years now so it's an odd thing to see him enter the transfer portal
2: well for me the wrap around my takeaways I don't know if takeaways but soapbox item this week is some of these bowl names are just getting stupider um I realize some of these have been around uh for a year or more but I don't know that I would want my introduction to to my business to be in a bowl game. Uh, something like the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Maybe, are you, are either of you familiar with Wasabi, the company? Yeah, no. Me either. Okay. I'm glad. I, may, may, I was like, maybe I'm an ignoramus. Uh, I did not Google who they are, but I did Google it enough to say like, hey, is, are they actually just talking about the food or is this a company that's sponsoring this? Or you don't even know. Another stupid one, Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle. I couldn't have a longer name, uh, not a wild Jimmy Kimmel fan in general. And, um, you know, just, just a horrible, a horrible name. Uh, figure we could get that into an acronym somehow, um, or just change the name in general. Also props to Jimmy Kimmel for being the only individual who presents a bowl game. So good for him. Uh, and then the last one, the roof claim Boca Raton bowl, uh, Roofclaim.com. Sorry. Let's make sure that we make sure that that is a website exclusively another another odd one so just let's figure out how to punch up these names for companies who are doing the branding i would you know invite you to consider whether this is where you want to make your your initial uh investment in advertising like why don't you just start by purchasing an ad in the middle of some other game like the all-state sugar bowl uh, which has been around for years and you know maybe start there so people can know who you are before you just start randomly sponsoring bowl games. Another call out props to cheese it who sponsors not only one, but two bowl games. Um, and I'm not mad at that one. Anyways, that's, that'll be it for, for my rapid round. Let's jump into the results of the week. Uh, some, some really fun games, some not so interesting games, Oregon state rolls, UF, uh, they lose the chance to shut them out, which we're all pretty disappointed about. Uh, We'll talk about that one more later, but great to watch Florida get beat up on. BYU escaped SMU. Um, a, lot of, a lot of BYU fans happy to walk away with a win there, uh, playing with a, a backups, backups, backup quarterback. Another one that that we all had our eyes on that we'll chat more in depth later. Jackson State losing its perfect season. A bunch of bitter uh, FSU fans happy to see Deion Sanders lose his last game. Troy top UCLA. That was a, a very exciting and fun game. Ended up going pretty close down to the wire. UAB beat Miami of Ohio. Louisville beat Cincinnati in the Scott Sutterfield Bowl. That's not the the, the official name, but was was a was the underlying storyline. And not beat uh, Louisville killed them. It was twenty four seven and not particularly close at any point. Jake Hayner has a great showing. Fresno State takes down. Uh, Washington State Cougars, Southern Miss beat Rice, Boise State beat North Texas. Marshall stops UConn's bid for a winning season. Congrats on the bowl season. Uh, And, you know, next year, maybe UConn has the first Senate winning season. I don't actually know how long that would be. It would be a very long time. Uh, Maybe we'll look that up uh, here shortly. Eastern Michigan used a 33 to nothing run to beat San San Jose State. And the Toledo Rockets beat the Liberty Flame. Let's start at the top of the call, watching our hated rival, the University of Florida, get beat by Oregon State. Brian, you want to you want to kick that one off?
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a pretty straightforward game. When you were predicting it from the top, you go, okay, Oregon State has had a better year. They've looked a better football team. But also you look at Florida, whose starting quarterback is declared early for the draft. He's opted out of the game. Their backup quarterback is in legal trouble. And so you knew kind of like, oh, this is going to be a really one-dimensional team. And that's exactly how it played out in the game. Florida has two really good running backs, in my opinion. I think Etienne and Johnson are as good a one-two punch as you're going to find in college football. The problem is when you know that's the only threat, you can just sit on it, stack the box. And that's what Oregon State did. And they said, beat us with your your way back up quarterback. And Florida couldn't do it. So ultimately, I mean, Johnson and uh, Etienne, I want to say combined for something like 40 yards, um, very, very few on the day, but that was, you know, to, to Oregon state's design. It was, Hey, if you want to beat us, beat us over the top. And that wasn't going to happen. There were a few uh, deep shots to Ricky Pierce It was a good, good wide out. Um, other than that, really hard for Florida to move the ball at any point. 28 yards. <laughs> 28. Thank you. Just 28 yards between the two of them. And again, th- those are two really good backs that you're holding to that. Um, yeah. and then on nineteen carries. Yeah. Um, so, so really just a one-sided affair. Oregon State gets 10 wins uh, for the first time, and I don't know how long. I should have came in with a little bit better prep, but really good season for them. Didn't see that uh, overall season coming for them, uh, but ultimately it's a cakewalk when they get to the board game, and, and Florida just doesn't have uh, doesn't have the tools necessary to put up a fight even.
1: Yeah, no, I think you nailed it 100%. Oregon's knew, Oregon State knew that uh, Florida was going to be one-dimensional. Sacked the box. I think the... They ended up at like 1.8 yards of rush. It, it was nothing. Like Florida had a grand total of, like 218 yards in this game, uh, 219. Just a pure and total domination by a team that was kind of decimated by people that were going to move out or not show up for the bowl game. And I think that's partially like I think all of us picked Oregon State to win that game um, when we were kind of talking to each other, just because we knew how many departures there were out of UF. Is basically a glorified practice for that for their second teamers in reality and Oregon State is by all means I if I were them I'd be happy to take the win so very like Mark said very 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 sad to see Florida score and kick a field goal with 37 seconds left I mean it happens if I was Florida I would have done the exact same thing (laughs) and especially if I was the coach it was like wait wait, wait, is my first year no that's not going down on my watch
2: (laughs) good good situational football by Billy Napier not going for it on fourth down when that would have, you know, a touchdown means nothing if you don't score at all. Uh, field goal means way more. And so he kicks the field goal at the end of the game instead of going for it. And, uh, you know, if, if nothing else, a nice heads up play, somebody was in his ear like, Hey, let's not get shut out. We, we haven't done that in 400 games. Let's not, you know, pick today to do it um, offensive
1: analyst right there. Hey, um, um, Billy, we, we really need to score.
2: <laughs> but Corey, it's, it's, it's just what you said, you know, it's, it's really hard to win a bowl game or even compete when your starting quarterback is a raffle of your student body. You're like, Oh, who wants to play this week? I guess. (laughs) What what was that guy's name? Miller the third. Yeah. So, uh, they couldn't even get
1: the first or second one to show up, you know?
2: Yeah. So, you know, that, that was all entertaining for us. Uh, you know, a terrible way for, for Florida to end their year. But, um, you know, terrific for us in another game that went our way BYU escaping SMU Corey you want to you want to lead us out on that one
1: yeah um so I was actually watching this game in the delivery room uh with my wife and I actually called like the game was like okay not super interesting but I was like hey I have a chance to go do something so I asked her if I could go bowling while she stayed in the room with the kid and to my great surprise she said yes I said why did you say yes She said be a great story um so I call my brother up who also happens to be in, and I'm like dude Heather gave you the pass to go bowling. you want to go he said no so we ended up watching this game over Taco Bell and watching BYU kind of pull it out with that stop in the end I think that BYU finally wins a one-point game that goes in their favor it's been a little rough for them um I think BYU fans are touting that they finished the last four games with 4-0 they're super excited about this kind of makes him feel good about the season, even though the season didn't quite meet the expectations expectations that he thought it would. In reality, I, I, there's no value to this game. You started like a third string, fourth string quarterback. You were limited in, in what you could do, basically, to his athletic ability. Um, he couldn't really pass the ball that well, in my opinion. And you, you came out with a win. So you maybe you see some fight in your program. Maybe this lays the foundation for next year to see what happens with the team. Um, Surprising a lot of transfers coming out of this BYU program, so maybe not. Who knows? We'll see.
0: Yeah, I, I'm loving the popularity, increasing popularity of, hey, we scored a late touchdown to tie, or what would be to tie, but we're going to go for two. Um, I I'm, I always love to see that decision. And, and the reason being is, like, bet on the players you got. Like, it, it's always a, a huge vote of confidence from the coach. Obviously, this one doesn't end up working out for SMU. Um, but I think BYU just did a really – good job on what was kind of a tricky play call to go against so SMU sprints out the the formation so that BYU has less time to get set and they have four bunch wide receivers you know d- down on one side of the field where BYU's got to account for that with at least that many players as well being ready for a quick screen out
1: and they don't they only have three players down there
0: yeah they have three and they have a linebacker shading but I think if he if there's enough arm on that pass like they, they might be able to get that if you watch the the play, he sprints out immediately to get there. Um, so it looks like he was trying to to bait it, which is a risky call. Um, so it would have been interesting to see if that would have been how it worked out, but ultimately they, I, I guess maybe that wasn't in the cards for SMU. Maybe that wasn't uh, so much of a call as it was, Hey, this is just a decoy. You're not making a read. You're just going to do a draw play. Um, which ends up getting defended really well. Um, so excited to see BYU win in that fashion, but I, I'm loving the increased popularity of, Hey, go for it finish this game now bummer it didn't work out from the smu perspective but uh it makes for a, a heck of an experience as a fan watching these games
1: i would like to know the analytics on what it is to go for two because if you don't get it you automatically lose but the chances are if you get it you, you automatically win whereas if you just go for the simple play you live to breathe another day so yeah, i would like
0: to
2: see what analytics are on that even
0: even if you make your pat it's still kind of 50 50 so t- tough to say
2: I, I love it though. It's a, and you talked about the the viewership, you know, ability. It's it's a much more exciting uh, finish to the game than overtime. And in general, I, I don't mind the college football overtime uh, format. Uh, generally, fairly pro that. But it's still, I'd rather see one play to to you know to end the game. Everything's on the line now. Can you get a stop when you have to get a stop? Can you run the right play? Can you get a you know get away with a Pick route with your, you know, your wide receivers crossing, whatever it is. Uh,
0: rub route, just a rub.
2: Yeah. All right, depends Brian. If, depends if you're an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, but you know, it's it's an exciting, uh, fun way to finish, and I, I'm here for it. The next game, we'll talk about. Let's talk about Louisville beating Cincinnati. I call this the Scott Sutterfield Bowl. Uh, Scott Sutterfield was the Louisville coach. Um, he was replaced by Jeff Brom, not Brian. I yeah, I always want to say Brian Brom. Brian Brom played quarterback for Louisville a number of years ago. Uh, Jeff Brom and uh, Scott took the job up in Cincinnati. Obviously, he was not available uh, to participate in this game. But Louisville really just – it was a beatdown um, all over the board. They finished they, – they win the game 24-7 and finish with their last three drives, which were, you know – productive drives i think all of them were over 24 yards and one of them was you know more than 40 yards with a pick pick and a fumble so it could have been way 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 uglier than it was uh cincinnati was obviously hampered their starting quarterback opted uh opted out of playing and thought they thought he'd declare for the nfl draft and sit this out and so cincinnati was kind of behind eight ball from the beginning louisville had more of its uh core team together to play but like I said, I mean, this was a an absolute beatdown across the board. Louisville gives up 127 yards. Um, they picked up 419 yards. They, they really run the ball at will. Have 287 yards on 49 carries and a couple of touchdowns. And so quarterback play for Louisville was only okay, but Louisville really dominated the trenches in this game. I said 200, you know, almost 300 yards rushing. They also had seven sacks, 10 tackles for loss. Um, just lived in the backfill of Cincinnati and and took this game to him. So that was a, a a fun game to to watch.
1: I I also think, Mark, like one of the things you brought up is – and we brought up this a number of times, like the starting quarterback isn't out or has gone to the NFL, stuff like that. Like we need to find a way – these teams need to find a way to – we're paying players now. We, we give them scholarships. They, they made a commitment to this team. They should be holding that commitment for – for the year in my opinion like it makes this time of year absolutely suck now like I used to love bowl games back in the day now it's just like it's another game and it's, it depends on who's going to show up in reality and that's not fun to watch like I, I'm, I'm happy that you know Louisville beat Cincy um, but they didn't have a starting quarterback they ran the ball 38 times for 44 yards like they, they were clearly one-sided just like Florida was and it doesn't make for an as entertaining game. And and now that we're paying players, now that we're giving NIL, I mean, we need to tie that to play um, where you don't get your game checks if you don't play.
0: Well, that's one thing I'm really excited for the expanded playoff is because people who are in the playoff typically don't opt out. Not, not nearly as often. Like if they just have a chance to win a national title, you stick around you try and win that national title. And with the, the, you know, a bigger playoff, you're going to have more teams keep, Go to an example. Tennessee is number seven or number six. They're playing Clemson in their bowl game. And Tennessee is, if you watch throughout the regular season, a much more talented team than Clemson, or at least playing much better football than Clemson. When you just look at the players who are playing in the game, you go, "Ah, I'd be kind of surprised if Tennessee wins. Um, And that's just because all their best players are not going to be in it. Now, some of that's injury, but others are opt-outs. And I think if you have the top 12 teams, I think what it will become is every bowl becomes – pretty boring and unimportant except for the playoff, but the playoff will be big enough that there will be plenty of exciting games to watch come this time of year.
1: Yeah. And, and also if I'm a better, I hate this time of year because you have players that I think it was the UAB game, the starting running back, who's all amazing. Oh, the day before says, Hey, I'm not cl- playing. He's on the sidelines, but he's not playing. And how is a better, how am I supposed to know that I'm not betting on any of these games because you never know who's actually going to play. Who's not going to play, who's going to show up and, and, whether the coach is even going to be there this year.
2: Yeah. They've become glorified spring games instead of, uh, you know, the crowning jewel to a, to a football season, a lot of the times. So that I was going to bring that up in a, in a later section, but yeah, love the, love the thought you had Corey, which is, because I I wonder how much the players showing up or not showing up actually affects revenue. If I'm, you know, if I'm the cheese at bowl, I'm actually going to go pay the starting quarterbacks a hundred thousand dollars to play because I know I can, you know, I'm going to get more viewers, better ad dollars. I would think that that would be a better solution than, you know, watching these kids sit out and then, you know, I imagine viewership's down dramatically.
1: Yeah. I, I that's an interesting thing. Like out of our $6 million bonus or payout three million is going to go to your players, whoever plays. That's a and way.
2: and maybe it's not even flat like that. Maybe, you know, cause there's players that don't matter. I, do I care if your third string wide receiver wants to sit the game out? No. Do I care if you're starting running back or you're starting wide out or your receiver, who's a first round draft pick sit out? Yeah. I care about those people. So I'm going to pay those people to, to show up. And then if you're missing a, you know, a, a second or third stringer, like, you'll figure out how to get on without them. That's not going to, that won't
0: make or break anything. Pay it out on a per play basis. Then you think. You, <laughs> got... you,
1: <laughs> you have that's a so great game right all the way to the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you're going to have coaches make
2: your... very very interesting personnel decisions uh yeah, no doubt they're going five Mark, wide on your, the goal line
1: you pulled out your marketing hat for this segment this, so far like you had marketing at the beginning how you'd market as bowl bull games and the names of games now you're marketing or figuring out how to get the best ROI by getting players to play
0: it's so NCAA Mark Austin he's got it
2: fixed uh it's because we all know there's a problem. We've all said, you know, this week was kind of boring. Um, and it was.
1: In college, I wrote a 12-page essay about how the NCAA could switch to a playoff format because at the time they had, weren't in a playoff format and maintain the integrity of the system and also the amount of money coming into the system. And it was for a class. My my professor asked for a five-page paper, so I cut it down to five pages. And I told him I wrote this 12-page paper. And he's like, can you turn the 12-page paper in? I'll just give you 100 <laughs> you wanted to read it all.
2: Uh, I'm guessing that you used something more intelligent than our college football playoff committee to decide who was playing in this playoff.
1: Yeah, no, I actually expanded the playoff really, really large. It allowed you to play all 64 bowl games and, and only limited amount of teams get, that had bowl games. So people weren't playing for six or seven wins anymore. They're playing for eight or nine or 10. And, but you kept the same amount of cities. So those cities got the same revenue. You kept those bowl games and you played those bowl games as you know, quarterfinals, semifinals, et cetera. And you've played into the middle of January with some time off for for exams. It can be done. there's a, there's
2: a better way. Let's touch on one more game in detail, and then we'll, we can go pass around the horn if anybody had any anything else, but let's talk about the Jackson State loss. Uh, I know we were all invested I think we were all watching it. at least we were all texting about it at the very end of the game, So we certainly were all tuned in for the very you know for the last quarter or so. Uh, Brian, you want to start with that?
0: Yeah, first off, I'll say I I I didn't wish I like I'm not the biggest Dion fan, but I don't like want his demise at all costs. Um, you know, he's he's not my favorite FSU alum. But I've mostly watched highlights or bits and pieces of Jackson State games. This is the first game that I've watched in almost entirety. He really needs to turn over his uh practices almost entirely to his coordinators when he gets to Colorado. This is a team that Lost, I think, broadly because like they weren't well drilled. They, when they get down that two minute drill, it, it's a miracle. And, and you know, frankly, they, they do get that touchdown to tie it up and go overtime. But it looks like that team has never been in a two minute offense. They just, they're really slow to get lined up anytime. They have a point where they spike the ball and then just start walking off the field like they've called a timeout, which they hadn't. And game clock's still running. It, it just, very poorly executed on a lot of fronts from the more talented team in that game. Um, ultimately, they end up losing because of a, a drop touch, a drop touchdown in the end zone. But yeah, it was uh, disappointing to see the just lack of execution. Like I, I, I don't think there's any lack of effort or or heart. Like that team seems to really rally together and like each other. The other thing I'll, I'll touch on is I think again I haven't watched a lot of Shadur Sanders. But if that's as good as he has to offer, he's going to have a really hard time in the FBS. He tends to loft balls. If he throws them downfield, loft them right up there. And part of it makes sense. You got Kevin Coleman and Travis Hunter up there to go get him. Like I understand, let your guy go get the ball. He only rolls to the right. If he's going to throw every time the pocket collapses, he looks to roll to the right. Like you're going to have to find a new tendency or break that. And he's a good athlete, but he's not a elite athlete. Um, So he's not one that you need to even spy throughout a game. So, I, I'm curious of his ability. Like, I, I just imagine, like, he's going to be facing Utah next year. That Utah defense is going to eat him for lunch. Of course, nobody's expecting a Colorado to go from a 111 team to having a fantastic year next year. But I just think we're going to need to see a lot of different things in Colorado than we see at Jackson State currently. Um, should this Dion uh, hire work out for them, and should uh, Shadur Sanders have the success at the next level that he's had? Uh, in the FCS.
1: Yeah, I, I second Brian. what you're saying, honestly, Mark or Brian. I think like this Jackson State team is more talented than most teams they play, like by far, because those teams can't get the talent that Dion was getting. But they don't blow teams away like I think they should, even. And th- this team they were better than talent wise, but execution and it, it looks like it looks like I don't it looks like Dion's team used to coach at Trinity. Like I watched, I used to watch Trinity when Shador was there and Dion was the coach. Like, this looks like the same thing. It's kind of loose high school ball and we can beat you because we're better athletes. But when you get to Colorado, you're not going to win that because you have better athletes. And I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes. I, I think Steve with our talks thinks this is going to go better. He thinks Dion's actually going to relinquish the, the reins but I don't, not to bad talk Dion because Dion is a phenomenal player. Um, but like with the ego, I wonder if he's able to let that go.
2: So one of the things that, and I'll admit, I couldn't have more limited viewing of of Jackson state. This is the only game I watched a good portion of this game, but this is the only game I've really watched. There's all year. You mentioned the ego. It's like the team takes the persona of Deion Sanders. They all want to be coach prime. And that's a problem. Like When you have primetime Deion Sanders, you don't want the rest of your team to act like that. You pay them, you, you know, he, you pay him what he's worth because he's a, you know, he's a headache. But he, on Sunday or on Saturday, he's going to deliver a lot of value. And then you need everybody else on the same page. This seems like a whole team that wants to be primetime. As I was watching Travis Hunter, I, I did not regret not signing him as a Florida State Seminole. That guy did not seem disciplined there was multiple times he was not flagged on a, a obvious personal foul shove. There was another one. uh, I think it was on his first touchdown catch, just the kind of jawing back and forth with the cornerback. It's all hot shot. Look at me, blah, blah, blah. Like just do your job and play football. And and I'm, and I'm not, you know, I'm here for some of that. You know, you want to talk trash, you go ahead and talk trash, but there's a, a disciplined manner to do it. There's a time and a place where it goes back and forth, not where you should be obviously the better receiver, and you're taking cheap shots and not getting fouled. I mean, I watched the game and thought, I don't, I'm not sad we don't miss or we didn't sign this guy. He may be really good. Some, you know, it's, I, I think that's hard to say with some of the competition he plays. Uh, it's challenging to really assess how how talented he is. So I'm sure he'll be, if not in Colorado, you know, s- someplace playing um, some better competition next year. Uh, but the team just seemed to lack all all sorts of discipline. You talked about getting to the line on time. Um, acting with a sense of urgency, it just, it felt like a mess. And so, yeah, it I think the the team that deserved to win, win the game did win that game, and we'll see how this continues. If if Colorado, you know, also takes on the persona of Deion Sanders, I think it's going to be a big problem. Um, if they don't, I think Dion's going to attract a lot of talent, and if he brings in the right coordinators, right, there's there's a lot of opportunity. Certainly, there's something to be said to be for playing for Deion Sanders. The guy is a, a brilliant player. He's been around the game for a long time. Um, he obviously can bring uh, a buzz to your program. Um, he's going to bring excitement. He's going to bring cameras. And if nothing else, if you're a big-time player, you want cameras around. Uh, so I think he's got a lot of opportunity. But it'll be interesting to see how much discipline he can install within the team uh, going forward.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I felt watching that same thing, I found myself being like, oh, if this is what Travis Hunter is, I, I'm glad we didn't really have him. He sh- There was a bunch of times when he was there running ta- running plays or tackles coming his way, and he's kind of like shirking it and kind of like not going to help in the pile to knock him over. And I get that cornerbacks kind of do that, and he may protect himself. But the person I felt like, I was like, oh, I wish we had signed this kid. It was Kevin Coleman. That kid was all over the field. Did a great job you know, with punt returns or kick kick returns and just look amazing as, as a receiver. And I, 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 on the other hand, though, also sometimes like think sometimes it's easier for players to play down to the level that they're being played with. So I'd like to see Travis at the next level with looking at what Dion's going to do at this next level. I mean, he's got good. It looks like he has good hires. I mean, he's got Sean Lewis. He's got Charles Kelly. Um, he's got Tim Brewster, who we all know is a great recruiter. Um, and then uh, Nick Williams. Bill Boyle. That's just going through a few off the top that I'm looking through. Um, But like, these guys are good coaches that have done, have been successful. Are they going to be given the power to do what they need to do? Are they going to be able to do what they need to do to be successful? That's going to be the key to whether Deion can turn up the keys over and and whether Colorado is successful in my opinion, hundred percent.
0: Yeah. I think really like the, the gem of having Deion Sanders as your coach is like to get that guy or two that, what makes you dangerous. Um, I think about the times when, uh, oh my gosh, played for Missouri, Jeremy, Jeremy Macklin. You have this one absolute, Stefan Diggs, same way at, at Maryland, where, where you have an absolute baller who makes you competitive in games that you wouldn't be otherwise. Dion can bring in that type of athlete and he's shown that already at Jackson State. Bring in that sort of person and then have the rest of the team just be dogs. People who are disciplined, work hard, do the fundamentals right and then that, you know, that extra special player puts them over the top. So so, if he can turn that over to his coordinators, I think, again, good, good coordinator hires, or at least seemingly, certainly experienced uh, coordinator hires and people who, who've who been there, done that in lots of big situations. But really, you don't want a team full of, you know, full of people who always want to be the one who's on the screen, the one who's making it. You need a few of those who put you over the top. And then the rest of the team who just works and and gets the job done.
2: With that, let's, uh, anybody got quick Quick comments on any of the rest of the game. I'll, I'll start us off with Toledo and Liberty. This was a, a just a, a pretty fun game. If you didn't get to watch it, it was back and forth. Liberty uh, started off, you know, ahead early. I think they get up 10-3 and, and they look pretty decent. Toledo's having a hard time moving the ball. And then this it was a story of two halves. Uh, Toledo rolls off 18 straight. They come out of, out of half, scored really quick, get a fumble, you know, so they pick the ball back up, I think on like the 11 yard line, score again. Um, they end up scoring another time. Meanwhile, Liberty's second half goes like this two plays, minus four yards and a fumble, four plays, 20 yards and a punt, four plays, minus five yards. So on that punt, uh, Toledo must the punt. Liberty gets the ball back on the 20. They go four plays, minus five yards, miss the field goal. Then they have a, a long scoring drive uh, with about three minutes left or they score with about four minutes left. They hold Toledo to a punt um, on the next drive. They had a fake uh, or a, a wide receiver pass um, that went 67 yards on a touchdown on the next drive. So they scored twice at the end of the game, have a chance to go to for two and tie and they miss it. Um, and so they, they lose the game by two It's was a pretty entertaining game. A- a- anybody else have thoughts on any other game this week? One of the fun games
1: I thought there was that to watch was the rice SMU, or USM, sorry, Southern Southern Miss and Rice. Southern Miss jumps out to like a 17-3 lead. I don't know. I'm not looking at the, the numbers, so I don't can't remember exactly what it was. And then Rice roars back to take like a 24-17 lead. And then Southern Miss finishes the game like 31-24, scoring a few times, and then kind of having some punts and falls at the end. But the story of the game is Frank Gore Jr. in this. He runs for 329 yards, throws for th- – throws – 19 yards for a touchdown like it, it's a great performance but the best performances that Frank Gore Jr. makes is at the very end when he's doing that interview I don't know if you guys saw the video he's doing an interview with one of the announcers and his aunt it comes over the shoulder and he's freaking out like super excited and he's like chill It goes back to the interview. It was just like the funniest thing. Like, whoa, lady, calm down. And he like goes back to the interview. If you get a chance, you need to go look at that up. It's just a funny little interaction that I saw. And I love it.
0: I'll just give a, a quick shout out more so than a synopsis. I mentioned in the last podcast, I've hardly watched Troy at all. Troy gets the win over UTSA. They finished the season on an 11 game winning streak. They have only losses to Ole Miss in week one and App State, which I think was week three. It was one of the first couple. Um, And their last two wins are against Coastal Carolina before Grayson McCall entered the transfer portal. So they're beating up, you know, full strength Coastal. And then UTSA, which has been a good team all all year. Troy, I'm sorry I slept on you all season, but I'll I'll keep an eye open next year because uh, a heck of a job well done down the stretch of the season Um, after you get those two losses, just getting it, getting the job done week in, week out. And then when the competition ramped up, you didn't stop at all. So congrats.
2: Brian, let me add one that I, I neglected to mention on that same thing. Just a, a player call out Liberty defensive end Darrell Johnson had a monstrous game. The guy had nine tackles, five tackles for loss and a sack. He was, he was absolute dominant. Uh, you know, we'll be looking for him in the NFL next year. Certainly helped his draft stock. All right, with this next segment, uh, with, with Christmas coming up, we are going to discuss what our Christmas wishes for Santa are um, as it relates to college football. So what things that, that we would like to see either in the remainder of the season, next year, what can Santa bring us to uh, improve our, our college football experience? We'll go in reverse order of the rapid round. So I'll go first, then Brian, then we'll have Corey close us off. Uh, I had a few a few thoughts here. Um, my first one we've, we've covered, uh, rather in depth, but it was make bowl bowl season interesting again. And, uh, we were going to discuss how to do that. I think we have already covered that. So I won't do that, but, um, we'll see, you know, Santa's already bringing us a, 12 uh, team playoff. Uh, maybe we can get that expanded to, you know, 24 or something in, uh, you know, in, in future years, next, my, my next wish FSU to kill OU, uh, my entire life you know when we've played OU we've been losers I think that is universally true and I would just you know this is a bad OU team it's it's one of those things where this bull has not set FSU up for success right you kill them you get no credit for killing a six and six pretty bad OU team without their starting running back you don't beat them and
0: I think without their starting wide receiver and both of their starting tackles yeah yeah so
1: isn't that what Oregon state just did though? Killed the six and 16 and we gave them credit. So maybe we'll get some.
2: Did, did we give them credit or did we just rejoice in the beat down? Uh, that's all I'm hoping for is to just rejoice in the beat down. If it's close, you know, you, you think, well, that, that team didn't perform. So I'm hoping that, that Santa brings us a capstone win on the season. We just destroy Oklahoma and Oklahoma walks away. No worse for the wear because they should get killed in that game. Uh, my my last Christmas wish for Santa, I hope Travis Hunter transfers and goes to like USC and just gets to play Deion Sanders for you know the next few years. Uh, I think that would be fun. Um, I think more than likely he ends up at Colorado. He went to go play with Dion Sanders at Jackson State for a reason. I assume he'll do that again. Um, but I just think that would be a, a funny storyline for for Dion to have flipped this recruit from Florida State and then you know never really get to play with
0: him when he's on the big stage uh i'll go ahead with some of my christmas wishes my my wishes for santa one i want dj Uyangalale to have a good year next year um i don't dislike dj U. I think he's just out of it was has just been out of program that's a little bit too big needed a little bit more um right now he's rumored uh to be heading to hawaii we'll see where he actually ends up in the transfer portal I want him to have a good college experience and I know it started off awesome. And everybody's like, Oh, he's going to be amazing. And then two years of what we've had, I want to see him finish on a high note. I think it'll make me really happy um, and kind of be nice to see him play without the pressure of uh, being on a, you know, a team that's supposed to contend for the title year in year out. So that's one of my wishes. I I,
2: I do hope it's a program that's better than hawaii though i mean he is a better quarterback than the starting quarterback at hawaii so i would i would like to see him get in the right situation some you know e- even take him somewhere at kentucky you know so a, a middle to good football team i mean that's the quality player the type of you know caliber player that he is so i hope he he finds it you know
1: a program better like Carolina than that Carolina and leads them to an undefeated season like
0: i'm in yeah i i i'm not I wouldn't fight you on that by any means. Like I think a a Spencer Rattler type of move where it's like Oklahoma to, to USC, that's South Carolina, USC. That made a lot of sense. I I would much rather see him go to a school like that than to head to Hawaii. But either way, I I just want to see him have a good year because he's had some hard times in Clemson, despite all the winning and ACC championships, he's been uh, able to collect another wish for Santa. I want the ACC to be good at all. Um, what a what a dreadful Power Five conference. Um, I, I think about the Big 12 and Pac-12 who are having their best teams poached, and it's like, so far the ACC is not even worth that. So I, I had some excitement for the beginning of this year. Again, NC State looked really good coming into the year. Clemson looked talented. Uh, Miami looked really good coming into the year. Well, I don't want Miami to be good almost ever. I do want the ACC to be a fun conference to watch because – it is one of the conferences that I end up watching the most being a, a Florida state fan. I would like to see some competitiveness there. You know, you see it at least at the top end in the big 10, like you've got three teams that are pretty fun and exciting to watch and the rest is boring for the ACC. All of it's boring. Uh, and I just want, you know, a little bit more of that higher level. That's a, a big wish for me. And the other wish I have is that the teams that are planning on moving conferences soon, continue to not win their conference. I I'm glad Utah beat USC. I'm glad Texas and Oklahoma didn't win the big 12. And, and it's just the, again, the romantic in me who likes seeing these uh, traditional conference alignments. And I like the conference saying like, we'll be, we'll be just fine. Post you we'll we'll be in good health. You'll see us come bowl season, but we we're not going to be hurting because they took what is supposedly our biggest teams. Um, that said, as soon as, you know, USC and UCLA move to the Big Ten, I'd love to see them win it. Um, And the same thing for Texas and Oklahoma going to SEC, I'd love to see them win immediately and have those two, you know, super conferences kind of knocked off their perch a little bit and and lose some of the swagger that they might have. But those are those are my wishes for Santa uh, for this, mostly for this upcoming uh, college football season.
1: All right, so my wishes to Santa are that we actually have good semifinals and good finals for this for this game. Like, I want to see TCU and OSU be competitive. I want to see potentially one of them win and then still have a good final. I don't want to see Georgia just steamroll and they play. That's my first wish. Um, my second wish is I know that a lot of conferences are going to this non-division thing where it's like, oh, the best two teams play. I think that works in a conference like the Big 12 where everybody plays everybody. But in conferences where everybody doesn't play everybody, it leaves teams favored in in different situations. Like, if Clemson and Florida State have to play each other every single year, and also Florida State has to play Miami every single year, like, they're at a huge disadvantage to have a chance to win win a title. And I don't like seeing that across the board. Just depending on what pool you're in, you potentially have a a much harder chance to win. It is that same way with divisions, but – at least you are playing the same divisions and you're fighting the same teams and you get to play them. So you get to say in what's going on. There are a few, other, three other games that kind of affect you, but now there's a lot more games that can, can affect you. So I'm going to wish from Santa to go back to divisions. I know that people probably might not agree with that, but that's why I like my last wish. And you guys feel free to comment on my wishes and tell me they're stupid. They don't have to bother me. My last wish is for more continued drama next year. I love teams that are supposed to be good, that struggle and watch the fan base implode, et cetera. As long as they're not Florida State, you know. Um, I hope that Miami has a terrible year again, and it's fun to watch Mario Cristobal bring in this third-ranked class, depending on who you're talking about, and win four more games and destroy the careers of a few other players. Not that I want their careers destroyed, but that's kind of what he's done a little bit. Or watch Texas A&M not make a bowl game again this next year. I want that drama, and I want to watch which teams have that drama next year because it's just fun for me.
2: be clear it doesn't destroy the career it just puts it on hold for a season until they transfer out the next
0: year you know so it's, it's
2: just a little bit of a delay
1: speaking of which does Tyler van dyke enter the transfer portal
0: no no miami quarterback has entered the transfer portal inexplicably
1: yeah why not you must be getting paid a ton of money
2: or just a glutton for punishment one of the two uh i i loved your first wish too Corey i that was i cut that one from my my wish list but i i wanted to, i was gonna say i just want a playoff game that's within seven points. I don't think we're going to have one of those. Uh, but, you know, if, if Santa could bring me that, that would be great.
1: Yeah, I, I guarantee you the the money on those things has got to push that line. I mean, they're seven, six and a half and seven and a half. I don't know. I mean, I can see the Georgia – is it Georgia-OSU game? I can see that being close. The Michigan-TCU game, I don't – I mean, I hope it is, but I don't see it necessarily in my –
2: so interesting. I think the Michigan TCU game has the chance to be closer. Though I what I would say is I think Ohio State is the second best team in football. I think they're the second most complete team in football. Um if you go back and listen to us talk about Ohio State Michigan, I was very much on the the side that Ohio State lost that game more than Michigan won that game and if they played it a few more times, Ohio State would win that. Um which does make the Ohio State Georgia matchup intriguing. I think is the only team that is complete from a from all sides of the ball. They play defense really well. They can run the ball really well. They can pass the ball well. They play special teams well. They have Ohio- a Heisman Trophy contender, QB. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State ticks most of those boxes, though the defense is only okay. And if you can take away the passing game, the running game's not that effective that's going to be true for for most teams but georgia's smash mouth enough that it's like even if you take the passing game away if, if stetson Bennett's not having a great game like you're still going to have a hard time stopping the run um so while i'm i'm super excited about that matchup because i actually think that puts the best two teams uh in football against each other i think that georgia will execute um the defense has not failed to show up for a game that they are supposed to show up for and so for that reason i think georgia wins by 14 maybe 17 Leaving Michigan, TCU with a better chance of being close.
0: I want to revisit Corey. You're talking about uh, divisions. One of the wish list items that I had scratched off of mine was for Tennessee to not be a one season wonder. I wanted them to stay relevant and not for the sake of a history of Volunteers and the you know the program they are. But it was more so from the mindset of the SEC East just needs somebody to compete with the Georgia Bulldogs, and I don't want it to be the Gators. Uh, but I do want it to be a competitive division, and then I was like, "Oh, divisions are going to be gone pretty soon, anyway. What do I care if it's a one season wonder?" I think that's a major shortcoming of these larger conferences. I think you're going to have a much harder time determining a legitimate champion, and there's going to be a lot more gripes than we've had in the past because you can just have sort of like we had in the Pac-12 this year, where it's just did you have an easier schedule? You know, you didn't have to play everyone in the conference. You, you can you can get away with playing a lesser uh, slate and then making it easy or more easy path to the championship game it's
1: and that's one of my it's really major
0: problem to solve
1: yeah exactly that's one of my frustrations with the NFL football like you play your divisions but you play everybody else outside your divisions and you may have an easier path but your record is still your record in your division it's the same thing
0: yeah uh, it's um it'll be very intriguing so I expect you know it'll take all of a year maybe two for a team to not be in there who just went through a terrible I think about uh is it Auburn who has the cross divisional they play Georgia every year right now and it's just a major disadvantage to them in the SEC West because it's like oh well you can chalk down we have one loss there and then we also have to go through the West where we play LSU Ole Miss Mississippi State uh Texas A&M Alabama you know like that it's, it's just a major disadvantage to them and for them they have it every year for other programs it'll be any given year but it may be very clear that somebody is the best or second best team and are are missing out
2: and i feel like an interesting solution to that would be bring back conferences but you reshuffle the deck every year based on finishes
0: last year it's just every other i like that that's very intriguing i think it might be too complex for for a conference to want to do but that's what i wish they would do at the nba when i think about east west like
2: it's not rocket science, you're just talking about I mean you you're not talking about an eighty two game schedule here. Do you, you split and you there's like ten games you gotta schedule home and aways.
0: Fairly I feel like that well,
2: maybe I'm simplifying it too much, but
0: you, you live in Arkansas. You you could tell me if those grads could understand what's going on there. <laughs> Yikes. Uh,
1: Dude Ryan. Wait for parting shots. Come on, man.
0: <laughs> jokes of course.
1: <laughs> oh no. I think it's a great idea, Mark. Like the whole, like switch them up. You, dude, your brain today has been amazing. You should go be a, a football exec right now.
2: Yeah, I should. I should spend you know more nights driving through the night and not sleeping. This is my best material. I uh, am. A, I'm in Arizona today and spent all of last night driving from Arkansas to Arizona. So I got a got a couple hours of a nap this morning, but that's it. All right, with that. Let's look ahead. What do we got coming up this next week? We'll we'll look all the way. We as we discussed before, generally we talk kind of Wednesdays, Wednesday, but you don't hear the pod generally till Friday morning, anyways. And the Wednesday to Wednesday slate is fairly boring, so we're gonna make sure we take advantage of the Thursday games and include those in our look ahead. Corey, would you like the uh, the privilege of going first as our uh, rapid round order?
1: Um, yeah, I I really want to see uh the Coastal Carolina, Eastern Carolina game, um because Eastern Carolina's favored in that game. Like, Eastern Carolina's kind of had to taper it off at the end of the season a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how that one work, goes down. The UCF-Duke game looks interesting to me. You have Mike Elko and his team coming up. And, oh, wow, I just forgot the co- coach at UCF. He's, he's former Auburn coach. Gus Malzahn. There you go. Thank you. I was like, I couldn't remember his name. They run the pitch option all the time. Um, Gus Malzahn. He has that team trending in the right direction, in my opinion. It's been fun to watch with him play that game with uh Reese John Reese Plumley. Um yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes. This Duke team is impressive and where do they continue to go? They should not have been second in the coastal, albeit a weak coastal. And then my last game, of course, is gonna be Oklahoma, Florida State. I I just really want to have a party. I watched I mean, watching that Florida State-Florida game, it was hard to enjoy because you were just, like, on nerves the entire time. You're like, don't blow this. You're a 10-point favorite, and you're blowing it. And they ended up winning. But I really like to see Florida State put a big win on a marquee name opponent, not a marquee team opponent, and just say, all right, here's our launch for the, 23, sorry, for the 2023 season. Like, we're going to get ready. We're going to ready to play. I mean, you're bringing everybody back. Your best players have all said they're going to play that game. That's insane. You're basically getting a full thing of practice to play another game and get everybody back on the track for the next year, minus all the big you know, transfers that they're bringing in.
0: Yeah, if you haven't been paying any attention to Florida State football this year, don't be shocked when they pop up in the top five, top six preseason polls for next season. All of their offensive weapons are coming back and most of their defensive players are coming back as well. This is a team that played extremely well after they had their three losses. I'm back to back to back weeks and has brought in a pretty good transfer class already. Um, So potentially good things to come for Florida state. Also, they have no players opting out or no players who aren't in the transfer portal opting out for this game. Uh, That's really notable when you have people who do have draft grades and who are, are expected to go to the next level. We've got a few on defense who are, almost certain to go to the next level though they still haven't announced that they're declaring for the draft yet yeah it's obviously the game that I'm personally most uh excited for also a good shout for the the Duke UCF game it seems like UCF ever since I want to say it was week three against Louisville they just had a wake-up call and have been phenomenal um really like what coach Malzahn has done there and, and their utilization of their very talented quarterback Texas Washington uh is on Thursday on the 29th that will be a fun one I think Washington certainly has the uh, upper hand with Pennix coming back. He's still in for the, um, the bowl game. Bijan Robinson will be out for Texas because, I mean, you got to go get drafted to go get paid. Um, can't can't blame him for being honest. But uh, the, that's one where Texas, who's had this ability to compete in a lot of games, but haven't necessarily been able to consistently win. It, it, you watch them bob in and out of the top twenty-five almost on a week to week basis at the end of uh, this season or the regular season, because they are just a good team. They have talent and they show exciting things, but they just aren't able to consistently put together uh, all those things at once. So,
1: yeah, I honestly feel like Sarkisian proven that he can recruit. We've seen him bring in good classes, but I do feel he has like a little bit of a Mario Cristobal vibe. Like you don't know when they're going to lose the game when they shouldn't because like there's times when he will commit to running B. John Robinson 30 times in a game he's not playing this game, but like that coaching stuff. And there's times when he won't even give him the ball in the second half. And you're like, what were you thinking? And so I'm interested to see how they do this next year. I think this is going to be the stepping stool for that game for that year. But I mean, they also bring in Manning kid, So that'll be interesting too.
0: Yeah. Arch Arch will be fun. Might have to wait a, a year, but Arch will be a, a fun player to watch there. I, I feel like I know what Sark actually brings to the table. I don't know what Cristobal brings to the table. If you're talking about on game day. So I, I wouldn't quite make the, the same comparison, but I get where you're coming from in terms of you could lose games because of your coach and not because of your players. And that that's kind of a situation that you never really want to be in if you're a big program. Um, and the other game that I want to call out because um, I have a chance to talk about Drake May, UNC Oregon. Uh, Bo Nix is coming back for Oregon next season, so he's not opting out. I expect Oregon to blow North Carolina's doors in. Uh, but Drake may has had kind of a weekend to the season. He'll, I believe be missing Josh downs and his number two wide receiver. Whose name is escaping me at the moment, big weapons for him, but I'd like to see him, you know, get get back on track a little bit before next season starts. Cause he, again, last few games this year have not been the brightest point for him when we saw him excellent at the beginning of the season. Um, so hopefully he can put together performance uh, in the San Diego County credit union holiday bowl.
2: Yes. Uh, thank you for mentioning that, Brian. I I will say the the one exception to that will be the one of the two games I add to the slate. Uh, Syracuse, Minnesota. If you're going to be a no name company that's sponsoring, you know, sponsoring a bowl game, be the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. That is the best name of all of these people. I don't. I don't want. RoofRepair.com. I want the Bad Boy Mowers. I actually I heard that, and then I had to Google it and be like, is that exactly what I heard? That feels like a weird, you know, a, number one, a weird company name. Number two, a weird name for a company who's big enough to sponsor a bowl game. Uh, but also, it should just be a, a fairly fun game. Minnesota had a This would have been the national championship of the front half of the season. Syracuse started out six and zero, and and Minnesota started out five and zero. To give you their uh, ending records, Syracuse won one game after being 6-0 and Minnesota finished 8-4, so a little bit more respectable uh, on the Minnesota side, but but basically lost all their competitive football games. Um, But still, two good schools uh, going at it. That'll be a fun one. And then uh, I'll just throw in the Arkansas-Kansas in the AutoZone-Liberty Bowl. Uh, That one I'm going to give a pass on. Solid job AutoZone of going to get a a solid job to the Liberty Bowl to go get a, a real company. Um, to be your sponsor kansas and arkansas fighting it out for a winning season two six and six teams that again had a good front half of the year arkansas if you can if you can remember way back when was a a top 10 school at one point uh and kansas had the season of their life for the first six games we'll see who who exits the year with a winning season with it that will we'll wrap the podcast. Oh. No, let's let's go parting shots, Brian. You've already handed out some. You you got anything else left in the holster? No, nothing.
0: I I it, I was impulsive, Arkansas, and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no further parting shots. I, I I think the main thing from this week is, you know, do the do the worries from Jackson State translate to Colorado? Um, and it's not a parting shot so much as a something to keep an eye on because it could be a downfall of what happens there, if Prime can learn from it and if his coaches who are with him can be candid and tell him, Hey, this is a problem and he can deal with that. Then it could be what, what propels him to, you know, make the changes and make that improvement. So Colorado, you're, you're in for it now. And, and the nation will be watching. I will be watching, but we'll see if you can, you can make all the changes that you're hoping to. Um, and that this spotlight that's being shined on you will, will make you shine bright or, or have tomatoes flying your way. Brian, at least you, you counterbalanced the,
2: uh, you know, the Arkansas shot with with the nicest Santa wish for for DJU. I thought that was really sweet, um, and shows shows your good nature. Meanwhile, I, I spent half the podcast, you know, just wishing for the demise of Deion Sanders and his football teams. Uh, so so not a great great look for me. At least you you've got some little counterbalance there.
1: No party shots for me. Party shots require wit, and I don't have what you guys have sometimes.
2: That's, that's where we miss, miss Steven. Steven's always good to make fun of uh, fun of some people. So uh, we'll, we'll bring his uh, humor back hopefully next week.
0: Oh, we appreciate the BYU helmets though. I hate those Sailor Kitty logos. Like I think the helmet itself is nice, but that BYU like baby cougar with a little sailor hat on. I, I've never been a big fan of it. It's been all over the place, but like I hate having it on the helmet, like having that as your main, it just looks terrible.
2: Where did that even come from? I mean, there's not even that much water in Provo. There's a Salt Lake, which, you know, is 45 minutes north of us and represents the University of Utah more than it does the Provo Cougar. There's no water in Provo. A Provo Lake, I mean, is a carp-infested, you know, they tell you not even to swim in that water. So nobody maybe that's why you got a sail, but we have nothing to do with water. And the sailor cap looks awful. The cat is not that cool. You know, there's there's just so many better things you could do with a cougar mascot. And instead we've dressed them up in a sailor uniform and Not even a tough one. Doesn't even look like he's from the Navy. He looks like, you know, he's a kid who wants to be in the Navy.
0: Yeah, no, he definitely just attended a recruiting event. They handed him out a hat and he's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to take a picture with this. You'd never make it through basic.
2: Maybe it's not even a sailor hat. Maybe it's a baking cap and we've just all been misreading it.
0: Anyway about it, it needs to go. Well, with that, we will actually wrap the podcast.
2: We appreciate you tuning in and looking forward to another week of college football breaking
1: uh travis just committed to jet colorado and
2: there you have it sorry i guess santa's giving me a lump of coal instead of a christmas wish yeah well now we will finish cory appreciate you you, you uh you, <laughs> you jump in and this is this is the episode that won't end but we will end it here we thank you and we will see you next week
0: thanks for listening to another episode of the CFB Paint Podcast. We're dropping new episodes every week. Be sure to rate us five stars on any and every service where you listen to the pod. And if you feel so inclined, let your friends know about us. As always, thanks mom for giving birth to us and to all the rest of our listeners. We'll see you next week.